Hey, everybody. Pam and I are so excited. We're going to be back with you guys next week, and we're going to be back to kick off a brand new series called Live Like You Were Dying. I'm going to open the series and talk about heaven and the eternity and everything that matters really in this life because of what's coming. We also, during this series, have Lee Strobel coming, and Lee wrote that incredible book, The Case for Heaven. So he's going to be a part of that, and I can't wait for you to hear from Lee. But I want to say this. The person you're about to hear from today, uh, we could go on and on and on about how incredible he is, how great he is, what a great pastor he is. But let me say something else about him. He's a friend. As a matter of fact, I don't know anybody who's better at being a friend and being a true friend and a good friend than Pastor Noah. And whenever you're in over your head, whenever you feel like you don't have breathing room, what you need is a friend. And you're about to hear from someone today that I consider a friend. And I hope today you will know what it's like to hear from someone who's great at being a friend. Welcome, Pastor Noah. Wow. Well, good morning, Crossroads. It is such a privilege and honor to be with you this morning. Uh, Before we get started, I just wanted to give a shout out to Pastor Chuck. We are so fortunate to have a pastor that stands on God's truth, uh, that brings the word every single week. He'll be back with us next week, but let's give him a shout out right now. Man. We've been through a lot this last season, Crossroads. I mean, we got through a pandemic, and I praise God that God's hand is still in this place. And I hope that there's a spirit of gratitude and thanksgiving in the building because God got us through some things this year. Amen? Now, again, if I haven't had the chance to meet you, my name is Noah, and I have the privilege of serving as one of the pastors. I get to pastor our Spanish side of the church. We're one church, two languages. So, again, I'm I'm honored to be here. If you're watching online, I'm so glad that we get to spend our time together. But I thought that this morning I'd start with a question. How many of you guys actually like roller coasters? Few of you guys, I don't, I don't, I don't mind them. Just don't get me on anything that free falls. Not my favorite. It's okay. Now, my wife, on the other hand, I mean, the teacups at Disneyland are a big deal for her. Okay, um, I, uh, I remember we were at Disneyland one day, and we were together with a bunch of friends, and all of the girls decide they're gonna go on a roller coaster. And I look at my wife, and I, and I, I know my wife. I could see the anxiousness. She's a bit worried, and palms are probably sweating at this point. And I'm like, this is gonna be great. So I grab my kids, and I make my way over to the exit, you know, where all the screens are. And we're there, and we're waiting. And this is what came up on the screen, guys. I can't make this stuff up. That is... And I'm dying. I'm like, oh my goodness. I was not expecting that. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that a lot of us in here, we've experienced some level of fear, some level of anxiety, where your palms are sweating, uh, you're getting the panic attacks, your heart's racing, and and, uh, you got the dry mouth, right? And, And all of us, we've experienced some type of fear and anxiety. And I understand this. I do understand that there's a lot of different levels of fear. A lot of different levels of worry. I mean, I'm a person who worries. I I worry about tomorrow. I I worry about what could be and what can't be. I worry about whether or not I'm doing enough to help people. I I feel deeply called into ministry. I want to do a good job, and I want to make sure that I'm being faithful to the Lord. There are normal things that we worry about. I remember when our youngest, Jaden, was born, uh, brother and sister wanted to always hold her, and I found myself saying, be careful, she's fragile. And I think to myself, when won't she be? When she's five, when she's 10, when she's 50? I, I don't know. Yeah, there, there are normal things that, that we all worry about. 
and truthfully, it's kind of hard not to worry. Um, there's so much noise, so much stuff going all on or all around us. I mean, you just need to open up your phone and right away you're bombarded, uh, right? You look at your phones and you look at Putin try, trying to start World War III. Uh, gas prices are starting to look like zip codes. I mean, there's so much going on all around us. Yeah, right? Uh, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Every time I pump, I'm like, I gotta pay attention. <laughs> you know, and, and, um, and we, we look at the crisis at the border and we worry about whether or not our country is safe and we worry about finances. We worry about our health. And, and when we look at our lives at a personal level, isn't it true that there are things to worry about like finances, whether or not we're gonna make ends meet, you worry about your careers, whether or not you're gonna be successful. Uh, some of you guys, you wanna be parents and you worry about whether or not you're gonna be a good parent one day. If you're a parent in here, you're worried about whether or not you're going, uh, you're actually being a good parent, uh, right? That's why we have helicopter parents today. Don't even cross the street, right? And we micromanage, we micromanage our kids. Um, we worry about our health and uh, marriage problems and family problems. Some of you guys in here, uh, you worry about staying single because that's a very real thing in your life and you worry about whether or not you're gonna stay single the rest of your life. If we're honest, some of us worry about worrying, right? But, but here's the thing. I believe that it is possible to be a person of great trust and still have worries, because oftentimes, a lot of us, we feel a sense of shame because we think being someone who worries means that you have a weak or a shallow faith or that somehow you're offending God. But here's the thing. Worry isn't bad, but like anything else, the enemy can take it and distort it and make it into something bad, and it could be crippling and so difficult to overcome at times. So how do we handle our worry? How do we handle our anxiety? Today, we're gonna be in Philippians chapter four. Uh, I have the privilege of ending our series, Breathing Room. Because isn't it true, church, that oftentimes because we worry or we experience anxiety, uh, we have no room to breathe? It could be so overwhelming. But in, in Philippians chapter four, let me set this up for you because Paul gives us some insight on what you and I can do. But here's the context. Paul, the apostle, the author of this letter, he happens to be sitting in a Roman prison waiting for trial knowing that it could cost him his life. Now, this letter to the Philippians is actually known as Paul's joy letter. Uh, not a word you would associate with, uh, associate with where Paul happens to be writing from. And all the guards know that he's in prison for sharing his faith. In fact, if it wasn't for Paul being in prison, we wouldn't have any of the, of the prison epistles. So Paul knows that this is working out for God's glory, but he's writing to a church that's dealing with a lot of things and he's encouraging them. That's the context of this letter. Uh, in Philippians chapter four, we're gonna start right at the end, last chapter, uh, verse four. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Always? Thanks, Paul, that's helpful. Again, I will say rejoice. I won't spend too much time right here because Pastor Craig did an incredible job on unpacking this last week, but Paul says rejoice. This word for rejoice is actually a verb. It means that it's something you and I choose to do. Uh, to do. It's something that we are at all times. But Paul says we could rejoice. Why? Because we're in the Lord. And uh, what, he's, what he's saying here is that our joy, our rejoicing isn't based on our circumstances, but it's an invitation to follow Jesus to an abundant life because he says we could rejoice in the Lord because our joy doesn't, uh, doesn't depend on circumstances that change, but on the one who doesn't change. 
He says, rejoice in the Lord. And here's the context. It'll set up the rest of the message for this morning. Uh, Verse six says this. Be anxious for nothing. There he goes again, for nothing. (laughs) He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here we go again. That it's because we're in the Lord. He says, be anxious for nothing. For nothing. Look to your neighbor right uh, right now and tell him, that's easy. (laughs) But I want you to think about this. Um, Being someone that has worries and anxiety doesn't mean you have a shallow faith. Who is Paul writing to? Paul's writing to Christians. And he knew there would be moments of worry and anxiety. And if anyone had a reason to worry and be anxious, it was Paul. He's sitting in a prison that could cost him his life. But he says, be anxious for nothing. This word for anxious means this. It means to be pulled in different directions. It's unreasonable anxiety about things I cannot control. It's the same word used for having deep concern about something, but in this passage, it's used in the negative connotation. Now, I don't know about you, but I thought, I used to think that there was, there was only one type of worry and that all worries were the same. But in the book, The End of Worry, the author speaks of two different types of worries. This idea that he coins as solvable worry and floating worry. What's solvable worry? Solvable worry is typically about problems that are currently happening and have an immediate solution. For example, if you're worried about your finances and you're worried about debt, you can easily come up with a game plan and uh, use this thing called a budget. You guys know what that is? And you can organize your finances and you can get out of debt. You can start eliminating some unnecessary spending and cut down on some subscriptions, which we, we know we could all do. There's a solution to that. Maybe in here, you're in here and you're going to school and your grades aren't so good. You could talk to your professor or your teacher and you could come up with a game plan to help with your grades. Maybe you're in here and you're a parent and you wake up in the middle of the night and your child is sick. You could either medicate or take them to urgent care. There is an immediate solution. Maybe you're in here and you're that guy that has that friend that you've been hanging out for a really long time and you know that you like her, but you don't know if she's on the same page. You know what I'm talking about? You guys have been friends for like three years and you're worried, is she there? Sometimes sometimes it feels like she likes me. Sometimes it feels like she doesn't. There's a solution to that. Go talk to her. Let her know about your intentions. Uh, These are the things that we actually have control over. These are solvable worries. Now, floating worry is this. It's the hypothetical problems, the what-ifs in life, right? You get sick, and all of a sudden, you think, what if I'm dying? You know, all of you guys that go on Google, and you're Googling your symptoms, all of a sudden, you have a remedy. Um, Before you know it, you're dying at the end of the day. You're on the floor like, oh my goodness, I am dying. And you go to the doctor, and you try to tell them the solution that you came up with because you looked at Google Right? Those are the, the what, the what ifs. Uh, maybe, maybe that's not the case for you. I'm the worst at that, by the way. Uh, maybe it's one of those moments where you open up Instagram and all your friends are hanging out and you think to yourself, oh my goodness, they hate me. They didn't invite me. Or you question everything you said in a conversation and you lose sleep over it. What if I offended them? What are they thinking? Oh, they're judging me, right? Those are the things that tend to consume our thoughts and our minds. This is worst case scenario thinking. It's the lingering worry that we can't do anything about that 
leads to anxiety. I believe this is the anxiety that Paul's talking about. The things that, that pulls us in every single different direction. He says, don't be anxious about those things. Jesus addresses this same type of worry, the hypotheticals, the what ifs. In Matthew 6, 34, he says, so do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Isn't it true, church, that oftentimes we're not worried about the bills, we're worried about tomorrow. Will I have enough? Let's say it together, tomorrow. We're not necessarily worried about being single. We worry about whether or not we're gonna be single for the rest of our lives, uh, right? And, and we're not worried about today. We're worried about tomorrow. And, and Jesus here, he distinguishes between two different types of worries, the, the worries of today and the worries of tomorrow. And could it be, church, that he might be challenging the worries that we cannot control? Because our desire is to control the uncontrollable, and anxiety could be all about trying to stay in control because deep down inside, we feel out of control. Think about it. Look what he says in Luke, Luke chapter 12, verse 25. He says, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? No, we've actually taken days out of our life and we drive ourselves crazy and the people around us. He says, can it add a moment to your life? No, worry's not gonna pay your bills. Worry's not gonna get you pregnant. Worry's not gonna uh, uh, um, uh, pay your tuition in, uh, in, in college. Worry doesn't help, right? For those of us that, that get so caught up with, with the things about tomorrow, am I, am I gonna be a parent? Am I not gonna be a parent? Uh, uh, Jesus says, no, don't worry about tomorrow because this type of worry actually creates great anxiety and fear. In fact, someone said it this way, that worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but gets you nowhere. And we ruminate on all the thoughts and all the worries. What if, what if this, what if that? Could it be church that God doesn't dwell in the what if? God is a present God that wants you to experience him today in the here and now. And he says, don't worry about tomorrow because today has enough trouble of its own. In fact, worry has proven to be harmful. Look at what Dr. Charles Mayo of the Mayo Clinic says. It says, there's a growing mountain of evidence to suggest that worry is the chief contributor to depression, nervous breakdowns, high blood pressure, heart attacks, and early death. Stress kills. I've never known a man to die from hard work but I've known a lot who died from worry. It affects you. Psychologists say this, 30% of what we worry about never happens. Another 30% has already happened. 12% is about unfounded health concerns. 20% is over sweating the small stuff. That leaves us with 8%. So 92% of our worries are meaningless. So how do we manage? I'm so glad you asked. Paul he gives us three practical ways that we can manage these things. The first one is this. Uh, when it comes to all the anxious feels, when it comes to anxiety and worry, we need to choose prayer over despair. Number one, choose prayer over despair. Uh, verse six says, be anxious for nothing. We got that. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Paul understood something. He knew that a life dominated by worry would eventually destroy us. This is why he commands us to pray about everything instead of worry. 
Now, Dr. Dave, he is a clinical psychologist. He used to be the chairman of our elder board here. He said this, that God designed us with the ability to worry and have anxiety. Wait, what? Yes, it's not always a bad thing. It's your body's way of telling you that something's off. Uh, many of you guys might know this, some of you guys might not, but my, uh, my family and I, we've decided that we didn't want any car payments, so every car that we've owned, we bought them salvaged. I restored them and fixed them, and, and it was a lot cheaper to do it that way. Um, I have a, a Tacoma that I bought that I got for dirt cheap, and when I first bought it, I was doing all the work to it, but almost every single light on the dashboard was on. You know those lights that you don't pay attention to? You know, I had the brake light on, I had the, uh, the tire pressure light on, I had the airbag light on, but every single light pointed to something that was off in my truck. And it led me to be able to fix the problem. So in a similar way, when you experience anxiety or worry, it's your body's way of telling you, hey, pay attention. And Paul says, what are we to do? We are to pray and thank God uh, by prayer and thanksgiving. He says, when you experience this, slow down and pray. Our problem is this, is that we worry about everything and pray about nothing. And, this is, and then we wonder why we're anxious. Paul says, no, 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 slow down. But, 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 but I'm so busy, there's no time to pray. You're too busy not to pray. And he says, slow down. How do we do this? We, we uh, practically, something that's worked for me, I try to practice what's called centering prayer. The focus is on centering on the presence of God in the moment, where we center on God, not focusing on tomorrow, not focusing on the past, not focusing on problems, on what might happen, what might not happen, but on God and his love for us, right? Uh, so I, I tend to have a sacred spot, what I call, it's my spot with the Lord, where I love to pull up a chair and sit down with God. Sometimes, uh, for example, uh, right after service on Sunday, my wife and I and the kids will go to Dos Lagos. One of the things that we love is the Pokey Cafe that's right there. We love Pokey. If you don't love it, shame on you. No, that different story. So, um, it's, it's become such a gift to our soul, something about nature, something about the lake that we'll go out there and we'll reflect on everything that the Lord did over the weekend. Uh, in a similar way, when you find that sacred spot, that special spot for you to sit down with the Lord, it becomes a gift to your soul where you're able to slow down and go to God in prayer. Some of you guys might be thinking, what do I pray about? Pray about what's on your heart, not what you wish was on your heart. Some of us get so spiritual. Oh, I need to pray for the needs of the world. I need to pray for the lost. I need, and those things are important. We have to pray about those things. I'm reminded of a story. Jesus walks up to this blind man and he asks him directly, what would you like me to do for you? Oh, I want you to save the world. No, he didn't say that. He says, Lord, I wanna see. I wanna regain my sight. God cares about those things. So if you sit down with the Lord and you might be frustrated with a coworker, talk to him about that, Lord. This person gets on my nerves. You know, David, he prayed that people's teeth would fall off. I'm not telling you to pray that way. I'm not at all. But you know, maybe, maybe some of you guys are like, I want to. No, um, but, but you pray about what's on your heart. You know, if, if, if you're anxious about finances, Lord, I feel like I don't, I mean, you're the God who provides and, and, and I'm having a hard time with this. You pray about what's on your heart because prayer starts with honesty. In fact, the Bible says that God delights in those things. But pastor, um, my, my problems aren't that big of a deal. I don't need to bother God with these things. If it's big enough for you to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. Look at what it says in Psalms. It says this, it says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights, he delights, he delights in every detail of their lives. 
God cares about the small things. He cares about how you're feeling. He cares about every single detail in your life. And I know that for some of us, we're crazy busy. I mean, we live in this American culture where it's like, go, 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 can't stop. It takes a lot of discipline for us to pay attention to how we're feeling. In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 5, it says this, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him, because what? He cares for you. Church, if you didn't hear anything today, I want you to know that God cares for you. But Peter says, cast your, he was a fisherman. And I think that when we think about casting, that's our problem sometimes because we think of fishing. Uh, what do we do? We're like, God, this is your career. We cast it on him. It's been 24 hours. Let me reel it back in. You're not doing anything yet. Uh, all right, God, I'm praying that you bring the perfect person. Here you go, Lord. I'm casting my anxiety on you. But it's been one week and you're like, all right, God, she's cute. I'm going for it. And we fish, we don't cast. No, that word means you cast, you let go, never to see it again. God, I am putting my trust in your promise. This is your career. These are your kids. This is your job. This is your life. I am here and I'm casting my anxiety on you. Why? Because you care for me. And in prayer, you discover that God is actively listening, that God is present in your need, that he cares for you, that he's for you. And Paul says, do this with what? With thanksgiving, that we pray and thank God. A lot of us, we wanna do the opposite. We wanna pray, get answers, and then praise God. He says, no, 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 that's not how the kingdom works. You pray and praise God and you leave the results up to him because through that, you're able to have the spirit of gratitude and you're, amen, we can clap for that. Um, But when we do, when we do it that way, look at what Paul says. He says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, all understanding. By the way, God's never promised us understanding. He's promised us peace. It said, it'll guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. I think this is interesting to me because where's Paul sitting? He's sitting in prison. He's probably tied to two guards, okay? And he probably looks to his right and to his left. He's like, oh, that's how prayer works. It guards you. It guards you from intruders. It guards you like soldiers uh, placed over an area to protect it. Now, God has a defense system in your life. He says when we pray and have thanksgiving that he guards your heart, wrong way of thinking, and guards your, I mean, your heart, wrong way of feeling, and guards your mind, wrong way of thinking. I don't know if you guys ever get those uh, Gmail alerts when someone is logging onto a device that's not you and it gives you this, uh, this alert saying, hey, someone logged in, is it you? God works in a similar way. Whenever anxiety comes in and you're praying and, thank, and, and thanking God for him, it is t he is telling you, the peace of God is telling you that someone's trying to log in that's not you. It guards you in what? In Christ Jesus. So church, don't drop your guard because prayer and thanksgiving are your guard and your pathway to peace. And because we worry about everything and pray about nothing, then we wonder why we're anxious. We wonder why we're worried. We ruminate on all the bad things. Paul says, no, 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 don't do that. Pray about everything because right there is where you're gonna discover that prayer opens up an opportunity for something different because even though everything around me is not changing, everything within me can change and the peace of God will guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Point number two, we need to choose truth over 
anxiety. Look at what this passage says. It says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence and anything worthy of praise, Paul says, dwell on those things. He says, Consider everything that's good, honorable, true, lovely, worthy of praise. Fill your mind with them in such a way that there is no room for negative thoughts that lead to anxiety. Church, isn't it true that we're not programmed to focus on truth, but negativity? Some of us got the spiritual gift of negativity, right? Uh, Think about it. Think about it. Someone compliments you. What's the first thing you say? Oh, no, 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 that's not true. Can never be true. But you better believe if they come to you with some criticism, you dwell on that all day long. You lose sleep over that. How good day, how dare they? Paul says, look, focus on the good. Someone compliments you, say, thank you. I worked hard on this. Instead of focusing on the negative, amen. We could get an amen for that. We gotta choose truth over anxiety. Dr. Carolyn Leaf says this, that 80% of physical, emotional, and mental health issues today could be a direct result of our thought life. 80%, that's a high number. And I think that you could say that a lot of things could change if we do the right things with our minds. Um, I remember uh, when Viv and I were first married, we went on our honeymoon, we went to Maui and we were getting out of a 40-day fast. You know what that means, right? It means you could eat all the food and all the coffee and all the good stuff, right? And uh, I remember uh, we tried to find a place to go to church every time we're on vacation. And this particular Sunday, we found a church and we're running a little bit late. So we go through a drive-through. We go to this place called McDonald's. I know, don't judge me, Okay. Never again. Uh, We get two breakfast sandwiches and we scarf them down on the way to church and we sit in the church service and all of a sudden I look at my wife and she's like, kind of like a lot of you guys are right now, like, uh, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I am so sleepy. I'm like, what the heck is in this food? Oh my God, it affected us. Guys, the same thing we feed our minds with, in a similar way, what we feed our minds with affects us. It affects our emotions, it affects Our mood, here's the thing. If you put mental garbage into your mind, you're gonna get garbage out of your life because we take in so much content. There's nothing online that edifies us anymore, very few things. I mean, we watch the late, I mean, how many of you guys watch Stranger Things? You probably probably watched it in one sitting, didn't you? Are we the same way with the word of God? Now, I'm not saying that Netflix and all the shows and all the things are a bad thing, but we need to fill our minds. We need to be intentional with the right things because we get malnourished on all the bad news and what we need is the good news. Can I get an amen? And we need to replace it. Look at, look at what uh, Proverbs 15, 14 says. A wise person is hungry for knowledge while the fool feeds on trash. Ooh, we need to be so disciplined to take God's word, God's truth, and align ourselves. Because when I fill my mind with truth, my heart will align with truth. Just the other day, um, a week ago, we were on vacation with my family and my five-year-old, Selah, she actually learned how to swim while we were out there. I mean, we had undivided, undivided time in the pool. But in the very beginning, we, uh, I saw her that she had some confidence. I was like, hey, it's time to get rid of your of your life jacket, I think it's time for you to learn how to swim. And she's like, okay, daddy. So she takes it off and we're sitting in the pool and in the moment, all she could think about is drowning. 
And she's scared and she's holding on to me. No, 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 and I'm trying to get her. And, and even though she had nothing to worry about, I'm right there, I'm holding her, she was terrified. Why? Because what the mind believes, the heart feels. Even though you have nothing to worry about, your thoughts affect your heart and your emotions. And Paul says, the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind in what? In Christ Jesus. And the moment she was able to let go of control, the moment she was able to focus, she was able to actually swim and experience the beauty of the pool. By by day three, guys, I was able to throw her from the side of the pool and flip her, and she was loving it, and she was swimming, and she was just having a blast. Why? Because she let go of her fear and her anxiety, and she was able to let go of control, and she had peace. And God says, what the... Uh, uh, that, 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 um, that prayer and thanksgiving guard your, your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Paul says, dwell on the right things. Practically, we put this into practice. Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians 10.5. It says, we're destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. What does that look like in a practical way? You guys Ready? Some of you guys might be in here and you're like, well, how do I replace anxiety with truth? You're sitting here and you're anxious about being lonely. God's promise says that he will never leave you nor forsake you. You may feel like you don't have enough money, but Philippians 4 9 says, my God will supply all my needs. Uh, I can't do this. I don't have what it takes. The truth is when I am weak, God is strong. God said he began a good work in me, will complete it until the day, day of Christ Jesus. You might be in here and you messed up big time. You're full of shame, you're full of insecurity, but the promise is that God said nothing could separate me from the love of Christ. And we dwell on truth, we dwell on his word, we take God's promises and we stand on them and the peace of God guards our heart and our mind in Christ Jesus. And here's my last point, we can go home with this one. Point number three, we need to choose trust over control. Isn't it true, church, that oftentimes anxiety has to do with us wanting to control stuff. Let me ask you this. When you look in hindsight, in the rearview mirror of your life, how much were you actually in control of? Zero. You can try, you can pretend that you're in control. A lot of us wanna be on the driver's seat when we need to be in the passenger seat. So we need to give up, uh, we need to choose trust over control. Look at what he says in verse nine. It says, Paul says, as for the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Practice? Yes, practice. How many of you guys are in sports? I used to be a boxer in high school, okay? I had to do a lot of training, a lot of conditioning, because if I got in the ring without practicing, what would happen to me? I'd get beat up. Some of us are getting beat up because we're not practicing. We come into church, and we hear a message. We're like, great message, pastor. Let's go eat. I'm not going to do anything about it, but you know what? It was cool. I was convicted for the moment. A lot of us dwell on conviction, but conviction should lead us to action. You know, uh, my counselor tells me that oftentimes people don't experience freedom because they don't do what he tells them to do. They go in and they listen, but that's it. You mean I gotta work? 100%. The Bible's pretty clear. You reap what what you sow. Paul says, the things you've seen in me and heard in me, put them into practice. So could it be that he's saying that the anxiety that pulls us in so many different directions could be, could be put at bay when we practice what God tells us to do? In fact, in John 8, 31, Jesus says these words. He says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain 
faithful to my teachings. This word for remain right here means to live obediently to. And the truth, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. To be obedient, follow, to live faithfully by. But Jesus said, when you live faithfully by his word, you will know the truth and the truth will what? Set you free. We gotta put it into action. We gotta put shoe leather on it. We gotta actually do something with it. This is about Matthew 6, where it says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all the things you're worried about, God will be in control of those things. But we put him first because isn't it true that sometimes we focus on the things that don't last? We're focusing on things that don't matter. And then we wonder why we're anxious. We have no peace, we have no joy, we're overwhelmed, there's no breathing room in our life. And instead of running to control and security, the Bible says run after his kingdom. Take your focus off of you and put it on his ways and give up your need for control. So practically, let me ask you this, church. How might God show up if you gave up control of your finances? How might God show up if you gave up control of your comfort? Because as a, as, a, as a culture, we crave comfort. We crave security. How might God show up when you challenge your need for convenience? God says, focus on my kingdom above your own because when you shift your focus, your worries begin to fade and it's invitation to trust. So we choose prayer over despair, truth over anxiety, and trust over control. So practically, some of us might need to slow down and rearrange our lives today. I wanna go into a time of prayer right now and kind of walk us through what centering prayer looks like so that we can seek God's kingdom first, so we can let go of control and put our trust and cast our anxiety on the God who gave everything for us. For me, in my home, what I like to do is I like to pull up a chair, not for the sake of rocking in it, okay, because we talked about what, what a rocking chair does. But I'm a physical guy. I like, I like to have something tangible in front of me. So oftentimes I'll pull up a chair in front of me and I'll go into what's called centering prayer. I wanna focus on God's kingdom. We're gonna do this together right now so that you can see how possible it is. Practically, we're gonna go to God right now. This is what I want you to do. I want you to just take a moment. Let's do this. Why don't we just take in a deep breath? Just hold it in. Let it go. Close your eyes. And just say these words, Lord, draw near to me. Pay attention to what your body's going through. Say, here I am, God. I come before you with my worries, with my anxiety. I know you love me. You know exactly what's going on in my heart. But I trust, Lord, that you are bigger than my circumstances. And I just want to see you. God, that problem at work, it's yours. 
you know, my, my wayward kids that aren't walking with you right now, that are making all the wrong decisions. I trust that you're the God of the impossible and I'm letting go of control. I'm leaving this in your presence. I don't want to worry about tomorrow on what could be or what will happen or what won't happen. Will you give me the strength to engage in what you are doing today right in front of me so that I could be present and not pull to the left or to the right with this worry? God, you promised that if I sought you with all my heart that I would find you and I wanna, I wanna find you. So give me the peace that you've promised. Draw near to me, Lord. Help me engage in what you're doing today. With a room this size, Lord, I believe there are people that are just carrying the weight of the world, the weight of their family. I pray that they would sense your peace overwhelm them right now. If they've ever doubted God, may they know that they have a God who cares. that you delight in every detail of their lives. For those that are in here, Lord, there's some people that have been running from you. They know you've been calling them, but they've been resisting you. And I think what they need to hear right now is the word stop resisting me. I have a plan for you. And I pray that you'd give them the courage to know that their heavenly father is concerned about every area of their life and you want to give them freedom, you want to give them purpose, they have to stop resisting you. I pray for that couple who has anxiety and worry over their marriage. I mean, even this last week, they've been down each other's throats. They've even wondered if they've uh, made a mistake in this relationship. I pray, God, that they would know that you are the God of the impossible, that they can cast those worries and those anxieties on you and that anxiety on you, Lord. Help us be a present church, God. Help us be attentive to your voice. You said, Lord, that your sheep hear your voice and they follow you. Help us slow down enough to hear your voice. Lord, I pray for a filling of your Holy Spirit in every person in this room right now. For those that are far off, God, I pray that you would draw them near. For those that love you and know you, God, just remind them of your love and your care for them. Right now, with everyone's eyes closed, if you're right with God, pray for those around you. There's some of you guys in here, whether you're watching online or you're in the building, you, um, you know that you're not in a relationship with God. Somehow you either departed, you're not close to him. At one point you had faith, but for some reason you're not close to the Lord this morning. Or maybe you're in here and you've never been in a relationship with God. Your heavenly father is calling you into a relationship with him. 
And the way that we step into relationship with Jesus is by acknowledging what he did on a cross to make us right with the Father. That he died to forgive us of our sin, but also to make us right with God. And when you acknowledge that, the promise is that he meets you right where you're at. And he fills your life with purpose and meaning. And it's the life you've always wanted. But God might be saying, stop resisting me. Lift up your eyes. Let go of your anxiety and your worry and know that I'm for you. And that I have a great plan for you. If you're watching online, this is for you as well. But right now, if you're not right with God, if you're not in relationship with him or if you need to come back to him or maybe you need to get baptized, I wanna lead you through a prayer, a simple prayer where you're acknowledging that you wanna step into a relationship with God or you wanna come back to him. So if this is you this morning, repeat these words after me. Say, Father God, I know that you love me And I believe that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for me, to forgive me of all my sin and to heal me of all my hurt. Right now I say yes to you. I ask that you'd fill me with your love and that you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit. I give you my life and I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's praise God for all the decisions. In a moment, what we're going to do, we're going to stand up and we're going to worship. If you're online and you made a decision, you could text the word amen to the phone number 77247. We want to give you some material so that you can continue to grow in your walk with Jesus. Thanks again for joining us. Here at Crossroads, we're all about helping people take their next step. So, what's your next step? Whether you've made a decision to follow Jesus, want to be baptized, or you're interested in knowing more about God and the Bible through our Alpha class, we can help you take your next step at crossroadschurch.family. We also want to invite you to gather your family and friends to join us right here online again next week. So if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and you'll never miss out on any new messages. If you found this message encouraging, click the like button and let us know how we can pray for you this week in the comments. Finally, if your life is being impacted by Crossroads and if you want to be part of making an impact all over the world, you can head to crossroadschurch.family to do that now. Thanks again for watching and we'll see you next time.